pre-recorded This is the Red Ticket Blues Podcast. I am Brian Buckley. This is Hitting the Internet on June 2nd, 2017. How are you and your loved ones? You can listen to this podcast and every single other one, in case you were wondering, on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, and YouTube. Did I say YouTube? Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at BrianBuck13 and at Red Ticket Blues. Our guest this week, former Major League pitcher, including three years with the New York Yankees, that is Tanyan Sturtz, who's a great guest, uh, very funny, very interesting, talked about a lot of things, Joe Torre, uh, that interesting 2004 Yankee team, just, you know, major leagues in general, sabermetrics, the, 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 the topics go everywhere. So I hope everyone enjoys it, and uh, let's take a listen. He is a 12-year Major League Baseball pitching veteran, including three years with the New York Yankees. Tanyan Sturtz, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm great, thank you. So I got to ask you, you retired in 2008, and baseball is always changing. We know that. It's, it's a boring cliche. But if you had the chance now in 2017 to, to, you know, Rob Manfred ushers you into his office and says, bring me Tanyan Starts and asks you, what's wrong with baseball today and what's good with baseball today? What would you say if, if you think anything's wrong or good with baseball? Oh, wow. Yeah, um, loaded question, right? Right off the bat. Get ready. Yeah, right off the bat, you got me. Actually, I, I think that there's a lot of good things with baseball right now. Um, I think there's a couple bad things. I, I can't stand some of the rule changes. I hate the rule at home plate. I hate the rule at second base. And I really hate the intentional walk rule. But, I mean, you know, I understand that we got to protect players and they got to protect their investments. So it's kind of hard to argue about those rules. Uh, Except the intentional walk. The intentional walk one, I think, is just uh, too many things can happen with an intentional walk. Guy can throw it to the backstop. Guy can leave it over the plate. Um, You know, I had someone tell me that. Actually, I was with Robbie Alomar last week, and Robbie Alomar told me he stole a base on an intentional throw one day when when they were intentionally walking somebody. So I just think too much stuff can happen during that time. I, I just don't like that rule that was put in. So I imagine that you're probably about the the rule that they're thinking about possibly uh, adding uh, in the future about, you know, after extra innings or something they put in the WBC in the 11th inning or so, putting two runners on base to start the inning. Uh, I, I would imagine okay, as, a, uh, as a former reliever, you probably hate that idea. Okay, are they unearned runs? Uh, that's a good question. That has been a question that's been asked. You know? I mean, I, I just don't think that that's fair to the guy to have to come in with a first and second or a man on second base. Uh, I don't know. I mean, speaking as a reliever, I just don't I, – I think you're putting him at a, at a disadvantage. That Not also, being able to – he's got to really come in and, and really have to make a lot of pitches. That also makes it tough for uh, negotiation times when you want to want to evaluate your numbers, and uh, all of a sudden there's a ballooned ERA because of all the guys that are on. It may uh, hurt you in the wallet at the same time. Uh, well, we all love numbers nowadays, don't we? <laughs> uh, so tell me, well, you know what? I was going to move on, but let me ask you about something. What do you think about saber metrics? A joke. So do you think a, a that it sort of joke. ruined the game, so to speak? I think it's completely ruined the game. I think it's I think it's given an outlet for these guys that have never played the game before that are, that can crunch numbers. It's given them a spot in the game. I, I can't stand it. it. Drives me crazy. I don't even know half the stuff that Brian Kenny talks about. I have no idea what he's even saying. <laughs> it's like they make up a new stat every day. The UBZ plus WAR or whatever. I mean, it's it's every day. 
I, know. I saw some crap called catch probability. <laughs> well, I the, go, are you kidding me? The, Cause, the, cause the new Pilar thing. Because Pilar made a diving catch in Toronto. The guy was telling me it wasn't good because a guy in Arizona made the same catch standing up. I go, where, where do these people come from? <laughs> the, the the new thing this year, which I hear Michael Kay uh, always talking about, is exit velocity. That That's a major, major thing now, oh, exit okay. velocity. Well, didn't they put it on the scoreboard in New York now? Absolutely it's, it's ridiculous. Oh, it's great. Awesome, isn't it? Uh, Who cares? Another thing that uh, I saw last, as a few weeks ago, the Cubs and Yankees played an 18-inning game, and you heard some columnists and even even former players like Aaron Boone saying, you know, suggesting some sort of baseball implement ties. I mean, is that the stupidest thing you've ever heard, or is that something maybe that you you agree with? Oh, I don't think there should be any ties. I can't stand ties in the NFL. I never want to see a tie in MLB. Imagine that, ties. After 150 years, we played an 18-inning game, so all of a sudden that, uh, you know, we should have ties now. Knee-jerk reactions in baseball now. It's, it's unbelievable. Problem, we've been playing this game for so long, and now all of a sudden we want to change it with all this crap? It doesn't make any sense to me. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I, I mean, we all played this game, and we all loved this game because of what the game was. And now all of a sudden this guy comes along, or these people come along. I had Brian Kenny tell me the other day, just do your job as a pitcher, because he was telling us it's art because we make the game long. Well, stop moving people around for shifts and stop looking at 20 pads of paper in the dugout telling you what the guy's numbers are and deciding on where the hell you want to play him or who the hell wants to pitch and just let the game go. We'll, uh, we'll, I'll jump back into that in a little bit. I, I actually saw that exchange you had there with Brian Kenny. You were like, yeah, it's always the pitcher's fault. It's always the pitcher's. Right, uh, exactly. Well, well, stop listening to your rap music and, and fixing your batting gloves and get in the box. <laughs> so let's let's talk about you for a second here. You're drafted in in '95 by the A's, and you sort of found your groove with the uh, with Tampa uh, in 2000. But uh, the question I have for you, I mean, you were there for a few years. Um, you played in front of you know a few dozen fans every game. Now you hear the rah rah sort of fans be like, you know, that's really gotta really gotta affect the players, demoralizing when they go out there. Did anyone on the team, I mean, did that affect your performance going out to your home stadium and seeing, you know, a handful of people out there? Or is it really just we're professionals, we're playing? You mean Tampa, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. There used to be a guy that used to sit in the hot tub. You know what the hot tub is? I really don't. I've never like been on, a Tropicana fan. Played up on the top, the top deck of the outfield. And you could hear him heckle us from the, from the hot tub <laughs> into the dugout. And that, I mean, it was bad. It was so bad. We had nobody there. It was so tough to play. It made it really difficult. So it did. So you know, like, it was always nice. It was always nice when Boston and New York came in, even though it was a home game for them. The place was packed. But so, I mean, when you were like, when you went out there to the mound, I mean, or when guys went out there to the field, I mean, did that really? Did that affect you? Like, oh, shit, there's not going to be anybody here. This did it? Did it drag you down at all, or was it just like it is? The, it is what it is. No, it is what it is. We just it, it felt like spring training. Okay, uh, you know, in in two thousand four, though, obviously things changed. Scenes quite different. You're with the Yankees. You grew up in uh, you grew up in Worcester. I imagine a Red Sox, or Worcester, Massachusetts. I imagine you're a Red Sox fan growing up. Uh, and you're on okay, the rival. I'm glad you put that in there. So, uh, I'm hey, glad listen. you put that in there. Growing up. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Just want to make sure. I mean, I want to be accurate here. Uh, but yeah. I imagine was was did you have any sort of conflict of interest, or is it? Listen, this is my lifelong dream. I'm playing with a team, regardless of what's on the jersey. 
Um, as a, as a professional, you don't really, right. it doesn't really bother you that much. I mean, I think it bothered my family more than it bothered me. Really? Uh, that I was putting on the Yankee uniform. Oh yeah. 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 I, I think I still have two uncles that still don't speak to me. Are you being serious? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, they, they take it serious up there. You know, we have a hard time. They have a hard time, uh, with the fact that people from up there play for New York, but you know, it is what it is, and I, listen, I'm a huge New York fan. I'm a huge Yankee fan. The organization is the best. I'm so happy I got the opportunity to put that uniform on, and uh, and I and I can't. I hate Boston. I mean, I mean that's a known fact. I can't stand them. So, um, but I love, but I love everything else there. I love the Red Sox. I mean, I love the the, uh, the Bruins. I love the Patriots. You just said you love the Red Sox. I heard that slip, man. I heard that. No chance. I yeah, heard that. No chance. Yeah. Um, Never. So you know when you got to the Yankees, you you were you were primarily a starter with Tampa, correct? I was when I came to Tampa. Yes. Right, and then when you came to New York, you were sort of you know he became the reliever, and you know you're you're a guy who was always playing you know with a lot a lot of intensity, and you're serious. But then you get to New York, and you're, you're sitting there sharing real estate next to Mariano Rivera. Uh, you had to be some sort of intimidation uh, walking in again and sitting there, you know, observing a game every day and uh, working out with Mariano Rivera on a, on a nightly basis. Yeah, it was great. Um, I got lucky because Mike Stanton left when I came and Mariano was stuck with no throwing partner. So I got to be throwing partners with Mariano the whole time I was there. Wow. Nice. So it was, uh, so it was more him taking me under his wing and teaching me how to be down the bullpen because I had no clue on what it was like to be in the bullpen. Right. Uh, especially, especially later on when I started getting into the later innings in the beginning, I was kind of just a long guy, you know? And then, uh, I gradually moved into some later innings of the game. So then it started, then it really started to get into mentoring with him and, and every day just being with him. Uh, I wouldn't shag like him because he shags like a maniac. Right. So I would try to conserve my energy, but he would run around like a madman. But other than that, he would sit and talk to me pretty much the whole BP. That's 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 a nice nice little introduction there to the Yankees. Uh, sitting there talking to Mariano Rivera, getting to pick his brain about you know just life in general with the Yankees and you know the the craft of pitching itself. Yeah, well, and, and I mean I think his biggest thing that he taught me that stuck with me ever since being with him was whatever happens today happens today. We can't do nothing about it. Tomorrow's a different day, and that mentality that they all had down there was was, it was just amazing the way they went about it every day. It didn't matter if you gave up a home run the night before. We had to win the next day. So when you came to the ballpark, it was done with. And, uh, and, and I mean, if you look back, it's, it's just the way he always was. He just always was like that. He never really cared what happened the day before. That's crazy to be that good and to not worry about a performance, just worry about the future. Uh, yeah, and listen, it's hard. It's not easy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I give up a bomb or something like that. He's playing catch with me. He's like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. Today's a new day. And I'm like, yeah, right. You got to be <laughs> kidding me, you know? And so it took me a little time to get used to doing that. And then once you do get into that mind frame, it was, it was so great to, uh, to actually think like that because then it, you really took like a lot of pressure off yourself. You know, R Rivera obviously became one of the premier closers. He sort of revolutionized the, the position itself. You hear guys like Goose Gossage, you know, criticize Mariano and his numbers and sort of what what the role has become. I mean, is Gossage just angry? Some of his numbers don't hold up, or is he kind of on the same track, on the right track, so to speak, where you know pitchers, relievers have become too specialized? 
Well, it keeps changing now, too. I mean, look at the way they're using relievers now. I mean, the four kids with closers were coming in in the seventh thing in the playoffs this year, right? They? And Andrew, so, Andrew Miller, I mean, yeah. It's just gonna, yeah, I mean, it's just going to keep changing. I, I mean, listen, Goose is a beast. And Do you know Goose at all? Have you talked to Goose before? I have not. Goose always is angry. <laughs> I love Goose. I love Goose to death, but he's always angry. He's always doesn't matter the somebody, topic. So. So, yeah, so it's just funny. But, I mean, no, I mean, listen, you can't take anything away from Goose. You can't take anything away from Mo. You still got to go out there and do it, no matter whether it's one inning, you know, two innings or three innings. You still had to get it done. Uh, staying in 2004 here, I know you've answered this question probably a thousand times. Uh, okay, but you, you know I got to ask him, man. Um, well, there's two questions I got to ask. This is the first of the two. Um, Fenway Park, 2004, A-Rod and Veritek. And well, real quick, you know what, it, it, how was, before I even ask the question, you know, you hear different people say things about Alex Rodriguez and I'm not going to make this podcast into be like, Oh, what was he like? What was he like? But Alex Rodriguez, obviously a, an enormous name. What was it like the few years there in New York with Alex Rodriguez? Uh, the, the, the traveling circus that is Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> a traveling circus. Listen, I think Alex gets a bad rap from a lot of people. Okay. You know, I really, really think I, Alex is a good dude. He's always was a good guy to me. Um, I just think he gets a bad rap from people outside that I, I that really don't know him and that he doesn't let know him. And, uh, and I, sometimes I don't think it's fair, you know, obviously he's done some things where he takes some criticism for the stuff that he did, which he deserves, but you know, Alex is a good guy and Alex is a great, great baseball mind. Right, right now. And we're seeing that every day with him in the in the booth and on the studio. A guy's becoming a, uh, you know, just uh, Howard Cosell all, all over the place. I mean, he's, he's taking over media like he did baseball. But uh, the question, obviously, I got to ask you with the with the fight that happened and uh, you're there. We, we see the, the, the afterwards emerging with Gabe Kapler and David Ortiz. You know, normally baseball fights are just posturing and pushing and whatnot. You know, what happened to Tanyan starts that day? There was a there was a big hate back then. I mean, we both both teams didn't like each other very much, and especially with with A Rod being there, and uh, you know, obviously they had some problems with him. And listen, anytime there's a fight, uh, you, you go protect your teammates at all costs. It doesn't matter. Alex got caught in the bottom of the pile, and uh, you know, I decided to grab somebody and take him off the pile. It just escalated into something else okay that's 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 i you know it, it's funny you say that you're gonna protect your teammates just a few days ago seeing the the bryce uh-huh. harper and uh hunter strickland uh fight on memorial day buster posey is getting a lot of crap for just sort of uh observing and picking daisies on the sidelines how would a, a a team how are other guys on that team do you think are reacting to posey standing there and just being a spectator well, you can tell they're a last place team, right? <laughs> that is true. Huh? I said that I mean, is. That, yeah. I saw. I saw someone post a picture where where uh, Bryce Harper's already out at the mound. I think they're probably already thrown two haymakers at each other, and Posey's behind home plate, and the middle infielders are barely moving their feet. Michael Moore is, is the only one running in, and I, I'm looking at. It, I'm going. This is why they're last place. They're not a team. There's no way in heck would that would that happen with a with a team. I mean, Washington was off the bench fast. The, the, the umpire beat some of those guys to the pile. Come on now, 
you got to be kidding me. So you have Buster Posey, who's the leader of that team. I mean, do you think that like they are questioning him right now? I mean, obviously you you don't have a crystal ball. You don't know what those guys are saying. But I mean, if no, you had a, you have no idea. If you had, it wasn't, definitely wasn't a good look. That's right. for sure. Right. Whether whether Strickland told him to stay back there, or Strickland said, "Listen, I want to get him myself," or whatever it was, it's still not a good look. He's still got to come out. You still have to do it. Right. Um, I mean, we have rules that you can't slide into home plate because of him now, because he got he got a little concussion, and now now people can't even come into home plate. That that's that talk about the knee jerk reactions. You just have one thing happen, and everyone goes up in arms, and we have to change the rules. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I even heard Col- look at the play, look at the play at second base with Utley last year during the playoffs. Was the last year or the year before? I think it was two years. I ago. I mean, the guy made it wasn't that bad of a slide. The guy was in a terrible position. I'm Catch glad. You're not going to turn a double play on that ball. Catch the ball and get off the bag like all the old second basemen used to do. I am so glad you said that. I've been saying that for years. Do you want me to say it was the best slide in the world? It had a, you know, a hint of uh, I'm going after you, but there was nothing that wrong with it. Mets fans have been saying that to me for years, <laughs> that I'm out of my mind for saying that wasn't a dirty slide. Listen, it's the playoffs. Are you kidding me? You've got to go take the guy out. You can't let him turn a double play. It's the playoffs. Anything can happen. I, I, I feel validation hearing Tanyan starts telling me that. I just don't understand. I don't understand. I mean, I, I know Mets fans go crazy, and it's just – the guy was in a bad spot. Text the ball and get off and take the one. Don't try and turn a double play. You're in no position to turn a double play right there. Okay. I'm, I'm good. I feel good about myself now. That's awesome. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I can help you out today. <laughs> Um, and I got, I, unfortunately I got to ask you this other question about 2004. Um, you're bringing up a lot of bad memories. All right. This is the last one. Last one. I promise. Last one. All right. Um, ALCS, uh, when did the possibility, you know, sneak into the Yankee locker room that, that this Red Sox comeback was going to happen? Um, I don't know about the locker room, but. I know after game or like in the eighth inning of game six, when seventh inning or eighth inning, something like that, when Joe called down and said that Kevin Brown was going to start game seven, get to take him out of the bullpen, send him home. Um, I knew we were going to have a hard time. No one had faith in Brown? Uh, Kevin Brown didn't have faith in Kevin Brown. That's very fair. So that would that made it difficult for all of us to, uh, you know, Kevin's a, a hell of a competitor, was hell of a pitcher. He just didn't have the confidence that he needed at that time, and it, it was going to be a tough run. We we knew. Uh, I actually lived with my bullpen catcher at the time, stayed with me in New York, Mike Borsello, and he, uh, him and I on the ride home were saying, you know, we got a tough run tomorrow. We, hopefully, something happens, and it just didn't happen. Yeah, it was brutal. I mean, uh, as obviously Yankee fans, we 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 were, you know, in shambles. But I mean, I, we're not on the team. I you, mean, that, that has exactly. You, we're not, not on me. We're not on the team. You I guys have, are. I don't have any. I don't have any of that hardware, man. That was my shot. You know what I mean? I know. I, mean, I, I, we were, I was tasting it, and I just, uh, and it was gone. And um, you know, it, it, I look back, and it, it's difficult, and it's hard, but. You know, it just wasn't meant to be at the time. And just, I mean, and look at look at the way Boston, New York's changed since then. I mean, I it was it was bad. It was Bill Rivers at the time. We were bad. 
I mean, people would show up at the stadium at noon for those games. Noon. <laughs> I'd be walking in at noon to go do video and stuff, and there'd be a thousand people standing outside the door. Do you see that now? No chance. No, not at no all. No way. Not at all. Uh, but, I mean, you after, after 2004, I mean, you, you you were an effective pitcher for the Yankees. You logged a lot of innings with the Yankees. And I asked Twitter, you know, saying that, you know, Tanya Sturtz was going to be on. And a lot of the questions were about your usage in the bullpen and Joe Torre. And I, I listened to you in a different podcast. I mean, you have nothing but love for Joe Torre. The Yankee fan perception, I think, they, they think that maybe – you know, your career was shortened because of the usage by Joe Torre, but I don't think you believe that. Is that correct? I don't believe that, no. Um, when Let's put it this way. If you're managing in New York and you got to win every night and someone was hot the way that I was hot, you got to use them every night. Because if you don't use them, you have to answer a lot of questions. So I'll never, ever fault Joe for that. And I'll never fault Joe for that because, listen, I'm doing podcasts with you guys. Right. Are you kidding me? Otherwise, you guys would know, have no idea who I was. People wouldn't be writing in saying it's Joe's fault. So no, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't blame Joe at all. I could have said no at any point. Um, I remember they called me in the office at one point, asked me to go on the stable list. At one point, I said, "Hell no, no chance." Um, but listen, it's not on anyone's fault but my own. Uh, I chose to go out there every night. I told them that I was good every single day. Um, and plus, listen, if I don't say I'm not good every day, you guys don't understand. There's a ton of guys coming behind you. So if I'm not good, someone else is going to be good and someone's going to come in. So I, I didn't want to take that chance, um, on something like that happening. I wanted to go and I was hoping it was going to go a lot longer than it did, but it just didn't work out that way. So how do they react when, you know, I imagine it's Cashman and Tory and maybe a medical uh, trainer sit down and they say, listen, Tanya, I, I, I think you should go on the DL. And you're like, hell no, I'm not going anywhere. But what do they say to that? Well, I pitched a bunch of days in a row and um, it wasn't it wasn't Cashman or Tory or anybody like that. It was it was one of the medical staff guys. And they just sat to me and they said, listen, you know, we think you should you should go take a little break for a little bit. And I said, absolutely not. No, not going to happen. And, um, and that was pretty much the end of it, you know? Okay. Um, cause they can't make it. Obviously they can't make it do anything. We're grown men out there. So right. we, we kind of do what we want to do anyway. Um, to a, to, to a certain point, you know, you, you, you talked about football earlier and you hated ties. I mean, do you think that's the reason guys are never going to come out of the game for concussion stuff? Because exactly there's, there's 50 guys behind them saying, yeah, I'd like that position as well. I mean, you're never going to eliminate that from sports for that mere comp- competition factor. Yeah, I mean, listen, this concussion stuff's starting to get a little crazy, isn't it? I mean, it seems like someone's coming out with a seven-day concussion thing every other day in MLB. It's right, crazy. yeah. Ellsbury was just on. All right, he still is on the concussion protocol list. Um, yeah, is he supposed to come back on tomorrow or something I, like ve- that, maybe? Ve- very soon, I guess he's he's doing some baseball activities. I think Susan said, uh, you know, he wasn't having headaches anymore, so obviously that's positive. Yeah, that's great. That's um, great. Well, you know, I mean... I, th- I think uh, I think a true testament. I mean, bring up Tory that that you you trust and, and and really appreciate Joe Tory. You finished your career at the Dodgers, and uh, I, I found it interesting. I did not know this about you. I was you know, doing some research here, and you know, you you were designated for assignment at the end of the year, or you know, towards the end of the year, and you wanted to stay with the team so bad that that you stayed on as a bullpen catcher through the season and the playoffs. Is that correct? Yeah, they had some young kids at the time. 
And um, I sat down with Joe in the office, and he had asked me if I would stay or asked me if I thought about staying and helping him out with some of those guys down there. Uh, one guy in particular was Broxton, who was actually, you know, really young and having a, you know, a little difficult time with some of the guys that we were kind of facing the playoffs. So um, I said, yeah, sure, of course I'll stay. Um, like, like I said, I have nothing but love and respect for Joe. And Joe did a lot for me. And, um, of course, if he had asked me to do something, I, I would do it. No question. That That's some baseball dedication to stay on there. I mean, do you have aspirations of coaching? I hey, mean, listen, do don't, don't get me wrong, man. I was pissed when I got released. Oh, no, no. I'm not trying to play it off like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Listen, don't, uh, don't, don't go thinking that I wasn't upset that I got released and that I was now in the coaching position because I wasn't really ready for that yet. And, uh, you know, Joe asked me a couple times. Uh, in the following spring training, you know, if I was ready to hang them up and start coaching and stuff, and I, and I wasn't quite ready yet. Um, I thought that I could get back from my surgery. Um, and then when I went down to AAA and pitched for a little while, I just didn't feel like it was going to, uh, it was going to come back. I actually pitched pretty good in Albuquerque, but there was pitches that I was getting people out with down there that I knew weren't going to get people out in the, in the big leagues. I in no way am trying to think that you were took that being like, hey, thanks, Joe, for releasing me. That's really awesome. I, yeah, yeah, I know. No, no, no. I was a little pissed. I was a little pissed off. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, do you... I, was, I just got back there. I just got back, and it was a hard, long road to get back to the big leagues. And um, I had like a – I had only thrown one game, and I didn't give up a hit or a run or nothing like that. I was in Philly. And then, the, and then uh, someone was getting ready to come off the DL, so they had to release me, but – you know, it, it, stuff happens in the game. What I mean, are you gonna do? Do you do you have aspirations to coach in the future? I mean, that that's a that's a coaching role you took on there right after your playing career. At some point, I do. I have two kids under five right now that okay. um, I really love being home with. And uh, you know, if I could maybe find something close to home over here, then I probably would do it. But until then, my kids would have to be a little bit older. Okay, so you're, you're right now. Life is taking care of your kids, and you're also you're on the advisory you're your advisory board chairman for the Pinstripe Sports Dreams Foundation. Tell tell us a little bit about what they do. You guys do. Yeah, so uh, we we made up a group of guys for the Pinstripe Sports Foundation. That um, these guys, I do a lot of Yankee fantasy camps in the winter, and uh, we were approached by a couple of guys that do those camps to do a foundation for kids. Uh, that weren't able to pay for their baseball stuff. And, um, you know, baseball starting to get so expensive for some of these kids with this very, travel ball and stuff like much. that, that, that it's taken away from some of these kids being able to play that should be playing. And, uh, so we, we kind of built a little foundation. It's in the New York, Pennsylvania area. And, um, and we try to help out as many kids as we possibly can. And uh, they do some they do some fundraising stuff, which is great. And then they also do some stuff that uh, you know, so with some donations and stuff, where we can get these kids out there playing. That's awesome because that is one of the the uh, drawbacks, you know, to uh, kids deciding what sports that they really want to focus on. And yeah, I mean, the, like you said, the, the the cost involved in traveling baseball teams and you know after American Legion and all that. I mean, it, it can get up there. And if you can't afford it, then obviously you got to go in a different direction. So I think you're doing a great job there. And you're also yeah. thank you. You're also, uh, I've, I've read you, uh, read what you're saying on Twitter. You're thinking about starting your own podcast soon. Yeah. Uh, I got a podcast coming probably in the next couple of weeks called high and tight. 
Um, I don't know if we're going to quite have as easy questions as what you've had for me today. Oh, you want hard ones? I'll give them to you, man. I'm just being, I'm just being, I'm just being nice right now. I mean, I could really hammer home the the hard shit. I mean, if you really want that. No, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. I'm good. I'll save them. I'll say maybe I'll have you on mine. We'll go with some hard stuff. There we go. Um, so what's what's the format? You're gonna have guests or sort of talk about sports or just a little both? Yeah, uh, I think I'm gonna do a little bit of both. I think I'm gonna have some guests to start out with. Uh, obviously, I have some very good friends in this game that I think some people will definitely want to hear from um, and hopefully get some decent questions with them and then also talk about what's going on in the game now. Um, obviously, you, as you know, I'm not a big numbers guy and a lot of my friends are kind of 50-50 on numbers and not numbers. So, you know, one of my friends is CJ Nikowski, who actually is the announcer for the Texas Rangers and he's a big numbers guy. Oh boy! And uh, so I kind of want to get him on and go at it with him for a little bit. <laughs> that should be very interesting. Uh, <laughs> so I want to thank you for coming on. Before we go, though, I got three questions to play us out. You ready? Go. All right. Guys always say, that players always say, they don't pay attention to the media. I don't read articles. I don't listen to sports radio. Is that true or false? 50-50. 50-50. Okay. Because I, 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 I never believe when the guys say that, oh, I, I don't read anything. I, I, I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm completely self-involved. I, I, if I were a professional athlete, I'd have to read everything about myself. I'd be neurotic about it. Yeah, but when you, when you start getting hammered sometimes, man, it's tough to read. You don't want to read that crap. <laughs> Listen, go 4-18 go and tell me if you want to read some papers. That's true. I may never read again after that. That's true. Um, <laughs> all right. So number two, the best ever, Jordan, LeBron, or someone else? Oh man, I'm a I'm a Jordan guy. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with I am you. a I am a Jordan guy. I, I see so many people with this fight. I mean, it's crazy on social media. But listen, I'm a Jordan guy. I just don't think the game nowadays is the same as was. I think those guys banged back then. I mean, I don't think I think LeBron would be be hurt too much if if they if he played nowadays with the guys. I think those Pistons guys would have put him on the DL. Oh, God. Imagine Bill Lambeer or, or Charles Oakley throwing him to the ground every time he would've came into the him. lane. Would have killed him. Would have killed him. It's like we have that debate after. It has to be evaluated after every playoff game, too. Whatever LeBron That's does. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Listen, the guy's awesome. Yeah, the guy he is. is awesome. But, I mean, I don't understand. Why, why do you have to compare him to, to, to everything? It's just crazy. I mean, who cares? Does he, you think he cares? Is I he think, the best, considered the best? I don't I, think he cares. I think there's a part of him that thinks it, but, you know, it's really not that bad to be number two to Michael Jordan in reality, honestly. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And right. last thing here, last thing, what's the worst and nicest thing an opposing fan has ever said to you? Oh, my God. Or you can just answer one of them. It's up to you. Worst thing is someone told me that they got my sister pregnant in Philadelphia, <laughs> now, and I'm, they knew her name. I'm and not they knew shocked. Her name, which was even scary. I'm not shocked. In Philadelphia, a fan would say that. No, no, no. I wasn't shocked either. <laughs> uh, let's see. The nice. I don't know. The, I, I get. Listen, I'm I'm pretty good guy. I, I get a lot of nice things from a lot of people when I go with talks. I I like to give away a lot of the BP balls. Good guy. So I get a lot of nice compliments. You know. Listen, I always remember going as a kid to Fenway and always wanting to get a ball. So 
So I always said, you know, when I was throwing in the backyard and stuff like that, if I ever made it, I was going to make sure that I gave away some balls and I always signed some autographs. You know, I always stayed as long as I possibly could to sign autographs because I always remembered that as a kid. My dad used to take me always opening day every year. And I used to sit there and wait and wait right by that little wall all the time for, for autographs and a ball. And I never got one. I would get some autographs, but I would never get a ball. So I always said that I would do that. You're a good guy because uh, kids have a long memory. I remember Dave Winfield waved at me when I was five years old. So uh, I think Dave Winfield yeah. is a god now because of that. Yeah, right. And it's just it's just something small. I mean, think about, I mean, a BP ball. What's a, you know, who cares? We yeah. got buckets and buckets of them. Throw a couple in the stands to a couple kids and, and they're never going to forget that. I mean, I, I get letters from a couple of kids. Like I got a letter from a kid in Detroit that I gave a ball to. He wrote, he wrote me on uh, two months ago saying that I gave him a ball, you know, wow. it's just a great, it's just great to see that stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. You can follow Tanyan on Twitter at Sturtz 56. He's a great follow. Lots of discussion, lots of baseball talk. Uh, I, I encourage to follow Tanyan. Be, be careful. Be careful on that. Don't don't bring the don't bring the sabermetrics and blaming pitchers crap on there though. It's it's going to get rough. Hey, no 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 no. Don't, don't think you're not going to get a, uh, an answer either if you send something. I got some people on there trolling me that are pretty funny. They they troll out pretty hard. I go right back at them. I think it's a great time. Tanyan, I really appreciate. it. Thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. That was Mr. Tanyan Sturtz. I hope everyone enjoyed. It was an entertaining experience overall. Uh, he answers to questions. Funny guy. Um, we learned a lot. We learned a lot. We d- we definitely did. So if you want to listen to this podcast or any other ones on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google, YouTube, and, uh, well, if you were so inclined, you may want to leave a review. If, if you have any self-worth whatsoever, if you value your 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 existence, you'll leave a review on any of those venues. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter, at BrianBuck13, at RedTicketBlues. So with all that being said, I want One, two, one, two, keep it on. Listen to the shit because we keep it till dawn. Listen to the ass track, got it going on. Listen to the ladies, come on and let me spawn. Pour your eggs, then you go up the river. Listen to the ass jack, that freaky nigga. Now, I'm on that rock and I shock and I tick and I talk and I can't stop with the body rush. See, I got hot like John Stars. He is Max Ross. Pass me the mic and I'll be rocking the whole bar. Oh, I'm the M to the C to the A and it's a boss. The rhymes that we boss on the topic of lust. <laughs> And my mouth is not blood, but fuck it, let me get down to the rhythm. Yes, I get funky and I shoot it on my chism like John Bones, the X-rated nigga. Listen to the shit, cause I am the ill figure. Nobody's getting any bigger than this. Phone is ringing, oh my god. Them is bony. Gotta do it like this, like Chachi and Joni. Well, she's a cheese and I'm the macaroni. So why all the fight? Why all the fuss? Cause I ain't got no Yeah, you know I'm getting silly. Got a grandma, he's still in the grandma. Still in the grand royal prince and I'm also a member. Born on the cusp in the month of November. I do the patty dunk in the case you don't remember. Well, I freak a fucking beat like the shit was in a blender. Like I was ever, but no. And I've been working on my day. Life is taxing. Gotta get it together.
Like my name was Bismarck, but I had to do the shit Just let me embark on the lyrics on the noun and the verb Let me kick the shit off, cause no, I'm not the herb Well, it's not the herb, but the spice with the flavor Just fair, the move with the funk for your dairy ear A word on the topic, yes, I like to mention when it comes to morning Woo! I'm ready to say shit Just facing, zoning, talking on the phone And my brain is booming, I don't know where it's going Talking lots of shit, a little tweaking on the weekend Gotta get them by the range, cause I know that I'm freaking yeah. well, I'm a funky southern, I'm a Scorpio Talk about the times when I rhyme and when the MCs come in my face, I'm like Mace. Cause I back them off with the quills. Cause I had to tell you, nigga, cause I keep it under frills. Rest the 191116 Ab off of Farmer Boulevard, yeah, Boulevard, Boulevard. But I'm from Manhattan, MCA's from Brooklyn. Yeah, MCA, you should be cooking. Rain Mantis on the court and I can't be beat. But yo, take what's the set with your boots on your feet. Got the timbers on the toes and this is how it goes. Oh, one, two, oh my god. One, two, oh my god. Fuck it, cause I know I didn't make it fucking mine for real. But yo, technically, I'm as hard as steel. Gonna get it together, watch it. Gonna get it together, my bell. Like my bell, I got the ill communication. My bell, got the ill communication. My bell, got the ill communication. My bell, got the 